Today, I'm sitting down with Noah Haynes, who used to be one of the media buyers here at Aspect. Today, we're gonna to be talking about his current e-commerce journey, what he's working on, the agency incubator that hopes to retain clients for life, and so much more. I'm Nikita from aspectagency.com, and let's get into the podcast. Noah, what's going on? I know we you used to be a media buyer for, for Aspect here, and now you've moved on to better things. I wouldn't say moved on, but we separated when we cut off the media buying section of Aspect. But it's been a minute since we talked together. How is everything on your end? Yeah, man, it's been good um, ever since I left. Because I think that was only like a month ago or a month and a half, something like that. Um, yeah, it was like a few yeah, months ago. Good. Yeah, yeah, no, it's been pretty good. Um, at this time, you know, I uh, started the brand incubator with uh, my new my partner, John. Um, he's the founder of Ecomvids. I think we've talked about that a little bit. Um, so he's been in the space for the last, you know, six to eight years. So he's got like a wealth of knowledge and especially on the production side, which I'm not good at at all. Um, I'm pretty good though. We've got, uh, two brands that we're partnered with and we're about to launch the, the third brand. Um, but with Black Friday, Cyber Monday around the corner, it's just been all hands on deck sprint. So we're, we're kind of waiting on that third. Yeah, absolutely. Like pretty much everyone I talk to at this point in the agency space is like, yeah, can't do anything. Black Friday, Cyber Monday this week. I can't, everything's all yeah. hands on deck including us. Um, we were able to onboard a client last week and it's been all hands on deck with them as well. So it's just, yeah, it's, it's getting hectic, but the cool thing is once you get like three weeks of prep, one week of just like go, go, go. And then like a week mm -hmm. rest off and then more go, go, go through the Christmas, New Year's holiday. I, I would say Q4, that latter half is definitely a sprint, but you know, if you can get like one or two clients in between like November to December, like that's, you know, that's, that's best case. Exactly. Yeah. So I know we talked a little bit about before I started recording about what you're doing with your own agency or incubator. I don't know what to call it. Let's but... call it an agency. Let's throw it out yeah. as an agency. All right. With your agency. So the way that you're do taking the approach here is you're taking interest within the business that you're going to be f fulfilling for like equity interest, fulfilling for them and growing their, their bottom line as well as their top line through all sales channels. So can you help? Mm -hmm the audience understand exactly what you guys are doing. Yeah, no, 100%. It's definitely, I would say it's a combo of a few different things. Just, you know, if, if you're in the D2C space or even the e-commerce, you know, you've heard of the, um, may have heard of like the Sharma brands type people. Alex Ramosi has been big now. Everyone's heard his gym launch story, things like that. Um, but yeah, we're really just becoming a growth partner to, I'd say people who aren't trying to create like the next liquid death, like a crazy hundred million brand. It's, it's really the people that, you know, uh, their dream is exiting within one to three years for like a $10 million kind of deal, right? Like mm -hmm. that, that'd be a best case for them. That's generational wealth because they're not really in it for the business, right? They just have the risk tolerance and the drive to like create a business, but they don't have like the executional skills. So, so to your point, what we, what we typically do is we look for brands that are around the hundred to 500,000 top line revenue. Cause that doesn't really prove like product market fit, but it proves they've, you know, they've done a little bit um, cause they wouldn't get it there without a little profit. Right. Um, and then at that point, if, you know, if they check all the boxes, not only of like, if they're a good like founder fit for us, but as well as like the product fits and we're aligned, um, we do four things to start. Um, first we do everything with a uh, content production. So like I said, with John, he's been doing Facebook, Amazon, YouTube ads for a very long time. And since I'm, you know, a trained copywriter, I usually do the pre-scripting for those ads. Um, we also do own media. So, you know, Facebook, TikTok, whatever the first channel is going to be. 
Uh, we also do the landing page as well as the offer creation. I think that's a big thing. A lot of like landing page uh, agencies, I, I think a lot of them are great, but I think they don't take the time of actually, or I guess they feel like they're overstepping to really go and like alter the offer. So they kind of just try to play around it. But um, with, with our partner brands, we basically tell them like, hey, like you got to give us the trust and like you can't really be the blocker. Like we want what's best and you got to let us test. Um, so that's what we'll do with the landing page. And then the last one is something that you're doing as well. And we'll probably be able to talk about it for a while afterwards, but um, email and SMS for retention. Because obviously it's not a game of like front end acquisition anymore. You really got to think about retention and lifetime value. And the only way to do that is through back end, right? You got all the marketing channels covered, which is great. You know, the paid acquisition, organic retention, uh, as well as where people land. But do you also handle the backend infrastructure at all on the e-com side, like their PLs, seeing where their expenses are going, their manufacturing, et cetera? Yeah, so I can get touch on that too. At the moment, it's very minimal because the expectation going into the relationship is we're going to be doing everything in terms of growth. But I guess where they're they're kind of where we give them the power is customer uh, support product and financials. So everything you just touched on, you know, since I do have experience like launching brands personally, I'm definitely in the weeds slightly with them. But at the end of the day, that's where we have to trust them. Because um, one thing I've noticed is at first with, with um, I guess, a, a client we were going to take on, they were very apprehensive to like let go of absolutely everything. So there's also this like client, not client, but partner balance of you have to leverage their time and like entrust them with a little bit rather than trying to take everything off their plate. So uh, we usually leave those to them. Absolutely. It's even myself, whenever I use service providers um, for the agency, it's just like, yeah, we need this. We need this. It's like, whoa, hold on. Like, let's just uh, slow things down here. I can't really give you everything. Um, let's just try 100%. this out. So it's, I can see from the other side, even when we were to give like a big ask, like, Hey, we need access to this. It's a big ask. And you kind of have to, it's a working relationship. So unless you come in, so for example, like with the way that weekend does it, they come in with the expectation of like, we're part of your business. You know, yeah. we're not just an agency. So we look at the financials, we look at the PL, we look at your recurring costs, your uh, fixed costs and see where, where we need to optimize there. Because funny enough, what I realized, uh, especially with my experience, as well as your experience working on some of our brands in the past, is it yeah. really comes down to not just the Facebook side of things, but also like the COG side of things, like manufacturing, the oh, financials, yeah. what their tech stack is, you know, you'd be surprised at how many brands are paying like 10K a month plus just on tech stack, which is like stupid, Crazy. you mm -hmm. know, all of that stuff needs to be taken care of. Are you going to be at some point implementing that within the agency? Yeah, no, hundred percent. I'm, I'm glad you touched on that. Cause that's, that's exactly what we're, we're planning on doing. And funny, you brought up weekend digital cause I know you've, you know, you've talked with them as well, but that's, that's been um, not a big inspiration, but I think a, a lot of inspirations for what we're doing is, is weekend digital is one creatively, which if anyone's heard, if you've ever seen the brands, uh, you know, pillow cube or stair slide, they're the ones that have launched those and they, they take like a, um, yeah, almost like a Harmon brothers approach to creative, which is pretty cool. Um, and they incubate their own brands. Um, but yes, it's basically you, you know, if you're always just on, I guess, on the outside of someone's business, you really can't, you know, do much. So yes, to your point, I think that you really need to understand like not only gross margin and net margin, but like really, cause that's where, you know, the AOV comes in and bundling in different ways or properly creating new SKUs because, you know, with email, it gets really old. If you've only got two SKUs, it's really hard to create content and, you know, you can 
there's a lot of potential if you have more to go for. And I think, uh, I know, I think we've talked about it as well. Obvi is a great brand for, for anyone to look at that that's doing everything. I think the best way possible. Yeah. And the great thing about those guys is they're doing it in public. So not oh, yeah. only do, yeah. do you get to see the ads that you, you also get, you can also reach out to like the owners, uh, the CMO and the CEO on like how they're operating. They're actually very nice guys. So I know also you mentioned like the next steps of, like every other month hiring as well as growing and taking on a client. So how is that looking? Yeah, no. So that's looking so far so good. Um, I will say I'm very, and maybe it's a little, um, don't hear it a lot, but I'm not very big on VAs, you know, cause at the end of the day, I'm, I don't know if it's the control freak or like just being in control, but it's, um, I'm willing to pay very good premium for very good people. And I think that's, you know, hiring is a huge thing. Um, whether that means, you know, putting someone on a, I don't want to say probationary period, that's a negative connotation, but just like a trial period of like a month before getting them into full swing. I really want to make sure that people know like, Hey, like, you know what you're getting yourself in for. I'm really trying to treat it in the same way, like a tech startup would, it's going to be very high output, but at the same point, you, you will be rewarded either financially or through the knowledge or through the experience. Um, so yeah. So what we're trying to do is onboard a client, and then the next month, once we get them fully booked, is get the next hire. Because at the moment, uh, just for some context, it's currently uh, me, John, my partner. And then also we have another um, awesome email strategist slash graphic designer. But we still have a few other positions that we want to implement You know, for the services, right? We want to get another trained media buyer to get me out of the media buying. Um, we also want to get a Shopify developer as well as a... Um, more of like an actual um, CRO specialist so they can work together and actually build out the, you know, custom experiences rather than just because drag and drop can get a lot done. But when you have, um, for example, if you had like a native or a Dr. Squatch where bundling low AOV items is there, you really want to have like custom control and like reduce that friction. So I think that's the next step. Yeah, simply good hires and trying to do it so we can offer, you know, better experience and just grow the brands better. Yeah, absolutely. I learned my lesson over the last year, uh, like in 2021, when I was hiring people on that, it makes a lot more sense to pay that premium for the US market, even though it is a little bit expensive over than overseas, like in the Philippines or in -hmm. Colombia, like, I do still have a few of those employees, Kevin Mm -hmm. being one of them editing the video. Uh, Thanks, Kevin. But with video editing, I don't necessarily need to hire a US editor. But like for things that are revenue driving for clients, I think it would be very helpful as well as very professional to have someone based in the US. And I've changed my mind about this a couple months ago that like I think for the next fulfillment cycle and we're gonna when we're gonna mm-hmm. be hiring on next year in January, February, it will be for people that are based in the US that have great communication skills, great design skills, great copy yeah. skills. Um, and then everything that they're missing, we'll teach them and train them up for because it's difficult to, even on the process side, like it's difficult to have like a designer, a copywriter, um, and then a setup person all decentralized or like siloed out. So that way, like 100%. the revisions get lost in the shuffle, client communication gets lost in the shuffle. And there's just so much time that's wasted on bureaucracy in a way than the work itself. I, <laughs> I was going to say, you kind of noticed that when you were working with us. A little bit, but at the same time, you know, aspect was growing and you were, you know, figuring things out on the fly and with the different clients. So it, it makes sense. But uh, no, I, I totally agree. And, and and not even to say 
it's I wouldn't say I'm opposed to VAs or even international whatsoever, but but like you said, if, if it's a not only like a revenue generating task, but if it's like a I don't want to say innovation, but you know what I mean? It's it's yeah. not just the customer support or like 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 workflow work. It's like thinking of strategy or going above and beyond because you know you don't you don't always want to hire someone that you train them everything you know. You almost want them to be teaching you a little bit in some ways, right? So yeah, and that's the thing that I learned with with US employees. It, it's just like once they get the handle of things they start like suggesting more and more and more and like new yeah. ways um and at that point i'm just like this is your thing own it you know i'm just here to like do my things which is like sales finances content anything to push the business yeah. for and as well as leadership and to push the business forward whereas your specialty is in like design and setup and copy you know so i'm more than happy 100%. to like take that back seat yeah, you just take your hands off the wheel and you're just like, hey, I'll facilitate. <laughs> That's the thing. Like, what's funny is vacations teach you a lot about your business. So, like, if you go on a vacation and you take your hands off and nothing goes wrong, you got a sustainable business. If you have to completely yeah. always keep going back in and forth, then, you know, your business won't survive a week without you, which is weird mm -hmm. to think about. You know, you're gone a week and it's like, you know, you don't have a business. I'm not, I'm not going to say you don't have a business anymore, but it's definitely not. But no, yeah. Yeah not sustainable. I know you're in the past, like you're sort of freelancing, doing media buying for other agencies. So how do you mainly work with clients right now? Are you going all in on this agency incubator? Yeah, no, for sure. I can give some, give some light to that. So yeah, recently I, I had been freelancing for about, I would say two and a half, three years. Cause, um, originally in university, uh, you know, the cliche engineering degree dropped out one year before all that stuff. But um, no, I, I started with copywriting, also did media buying because I'd been growing my own brands at one point, originally with drop shipping, and then got into white labeling. Um, I've exited three brands, nothing to write home about more like the 10,000 to $25,000 sales. Um, but it was mainly just kind of teaching me like, okay, like what's, what, what, what am I inefficient at? That's not getting me to that next step. Right. And I couldn't always blame it on capital. Cause you do have great people who can do things with, you know, a thousand dollars or $10,000. So it wasn't the money. Um, and I think what I've learned through all the, you know, the copywriting media buying, and then email marketing, I think it's just the biggest side that I think is, is content. I am definitely not a content guy. And I think with the way that even the world's going, whether it's like, you know, YouTube creators or brands or like content's king. And it's not only being able to produce content in like, let's just say like, like post-production, like do that well, it's like being a storyteller and also being able to like contextualize your message for each platform. And I think that's, that's a crazy skill my partner's got. And I think that that's what I've always needed as a partner. And then to your point of, you know, how are we treating clients right now? Or like, how, how am I, are we going all in? Uh, yeah, we're going all in. So it's basically, we're being very, very picky with the brands we we do take on because we don't want churn to, obviously this is, this is a North star. We don't want any churn. We want to take someone on and obviously that's what every agency wants. So I'm not ignorant to that, but it's like, um, we're choosing great people who are, are like a great fit. They can't be blockers. They have to be genuinely great people. And the product they have has to have like the financial stats, you know, cause I'll go into the the, uh, the dashboard, I'll check out CPMs, I'll check out the product, the competitors, things like that. Um, and, and if we think we can do it, we'll jump in there and we give them like a, a pretty crazy guarantee of like, for example, the first brand we took on, we had them pay a premium. And, but then we said, we're going to be working for the next three months. You'll pay us $0 until we make you back that money you paid us plus some. 
and we give that to everyone. Uh, any client we'll take on, we'll give them that offer. Yeah. The biggest thing you can do is like a growth agency is those guarantees. Like we offer a guarantee yeah. because we know like we're confident and we've had zero returns so far. I guess like, why should people take your agency seriously? Yeah, for sure. And, and that's the, the biggest thing. And I think, and this is maybe it's getting a little pitchy, but still, um, yeah. I'd say the three things we, we, we tell everyone is one, it's the way that we see creative and the way that we iterate is faster than anyone, right? So I've, I've worked at agencies that are like smaller scale, mid and large at this point. And the number one bottleneck is not even one else. I'll say two things. One is you have pods of like a pod of four, right? Working on, on a brand, but each one of those people have 10 different other brands. And there's this hierarchy chain where you want to get three image ads and it takes four weeks that's crazy. Like that, that can't happen. So at the end of the day, you're not, you know, you're paying for this agency and they're trying to promise you that they're like your partner, but they really aren't like, and I'm not saying that's to their detriment. I think it's mainly just like, how could you, like, you just don't have the bandwidth. Um, but what we're trying to do is, you know, we're very low scale and I, I said it before, but at scale, we really only want, um, six to eight people on our team. Cause we're not going to take a lot of brands on. This isn't us trying to become the next, like, VaynerX, where we have thousands of brands, we we only really want at scale, um, five to 10 brands, and we won't take any on that we can't uh, fulfill on. Another is just the approach of not offering like cherry picking services. We're, we're going to give the, the full, you know, right now it's the four services, but we're, we're going to be slowly expanding, right? So we're going to be getting on a search specialist, we're going to be getting that Shopify uh, developer, or, you know, just a developer slash CRO, just so we're, uh, you know, adding value there. And then over time, we also do, like you said, we want to get into the product slash financial side to help um, our partner brands a little bit, whether that's uh, like a CPA or an accountant or, you know, whatever that that ends up being or like forecasting. It's just to help, I guess. We're not in it for, hey, we've got you on a six-month contract. Let's let's get you just enough results to where you stay with us because we're, we're not a churn game. We're a, if you want to exit your brand in one to two years, we're going to get you to that point as well as set you up for a sale, right? Because mm -hmm. you, you you know all, as well, like if you if you want to get to that point where you want to go on a micro acquire or you want to work with like an investment, you know, a bank or something, you've got to have the SOPs. You have to be situated for it. Like your your PLs have to be clean and tidy. So we want to make sure that we we get them to that point. Yeah. Get them to a point where you scale spend for growth and then cut the spend back and just write off retention. <laughs> yeah, no, and it is, that is a strategy. And again, that's, it is. And it's, it, that's why, because we're not trying to act like, Hey, come with us. We're going to make you liquid IV or Casper or something crazy, because that's, that's not what I, and being genuinely honest, that takes a certain level of skill and different scale that I've never personally done. So I, I'd never offer it as a, as a service, but if you are trying to get, um, you know, to a million plus top line, get that sustainable where you've got 25% margins and then try to exit within six months, we can do that. Like that's something that John has experience and I at this point with like the the fulfillment and execution side that we've got enough confidence in. Yeah, that's the thing. I switched up our business model as well a little bit to focus more yeah, on the all... retention side. So not mm -hmm. not in the same way where you're like forever clients until the exit. It's more so mm -hmm. retention, like instead of like having clients, having relationships, because it used to be very yeah. like business client, like this is a client, you know, but this is more so like <laughs> these people are friends, like these people are family. And I know I used to say that before, but like this time it seems like I actually mean it. And with the way that yeah. I'm approaching things, like 
I'm talking about people's cool. kids, talking about how their weekend was, every like all things, you know. So it's like that kind of relationship has made it way more fulfilling to work for the client as well as fulfilled for the client because it it makes things a lot more personal, like instead of like this is business, business, business. And to be honest with you, also with this conversation, I expected this to be more about media buying, but it turned into overall business strategy. <laughs> so yeah, um, I usually ask this question at the end. Uh, for everyone where it's like, what are the three highest leverage actions you can take with e-com brands right now? I was going to mention that for media buying, but it's, I think it's more, it's better for just e-com brands as a whole, since you're so well diversed in everything that you do, what would be okay, those yeah. three high leverage actions? Yeah. In terms of high leverage actions, um, number one is, it sounds stupid, but actually think about retention and you know you're big on that as well but i think a lot of brands don't realize like and funny enough one of the brand partners we had when we first started he had told me hey i don't want to i don't want to constantly send out emails i want to make sure we can get 30% margin on the front end and i said my man why don't you want to use all the tools at your disposal like you've got you know this lead list you're you have good deliverability like focus on retention right and i think that's that's how you build community. That's how you build brand. And that's how you get $0 acquisition in the long term. So if you focus on email, like whether that's, you know, it like actionable steps, get Clavio in, do your five basic free flows, pre-purchase and post-purchase flows, get those in and just, just, just worry about that and send two campaigns a week. That's, that's like a high lever action. Another is if you're trying to build like a sustainable e-com brand, like really try to get internal content production. Um, it, you know, cause billow is great. A whole bunch of services are great. Even even my partner John's previous uh, business, EcomVids, costs five thousand dollars for ten creatives. But you you know the game now is doing high volume creative and really testing your hooks, your messaging. It's almost like a like a Lego block of testing headlines and hooks. And if you're a copywriter, this is where you're going to shine because you you have a lot of like you have a lot of like pieces you can pull and like uh, move around. So number two is content production. I think you need to be able to pump out 10 to 20 creatives a week. Um, right now for context, for our brands, we're doing like 40. Um, not to say they're completely different like base style ads, but you're, you're testing based on, uh, you know, the results you're getting. Um, and then third, I guess the the biggest one is e-com vids and not e-com vids, sorry, e-com brands in general. I think you have to be kind of not weary taking advice, but um, I think on Twitter and YouTube videos, people will like see a, a, some advice and be like, oh, I need to go implement that strategy. But it's like, I personally feel there's different kinds of e-commerce, right? Like if you take three different brands, you take a Dr. Squatch that sells $10 deodorants, and then you take a Kizik, which is, um, you know, the slip on shoes that are in the $60, $70 price range. And then you've got a purple or Casper mattress, right? If you go look at a, Twitter thread and it says, use these TikTok headlines. It's like, that's not going to work for all those products. So I think you just need to like be mindful of the, the um, content digesting and just making sure you're picking the best nuggets for your business, not in general. Cause that, that but that's the thing with social media is it pays to be binary. You know, it pays to be like yeah. all in on something, which, which is awesome. But I think, you know, if you see one brand that sells supplements and you're selling a high ticket, something else you know you, you like take some golden nuggets but not do their exact strategy yeah that's the strategy that i try to take from social media is just like okay this is yeah. great how would i implement it here well it's like okay this might work but also might not work um mm -hmm. and also to your second point it's great to have abundance of content 
you know, shooting multiple pieces of content a week. Um, 40 is, gr is great. I'd say that's a really good number, um, mainly because I'm assuming what you do is just you have the creator record like 10 minutes worth of content and then you just chop it up and slice it to different hooks, different um, call to actions, different testimonials or however you call it. So I'm guessing you, that's how you managed to get that such of a such a high output on creative. Yeah. And also with John, he he's built out a casting network and he lives down in LA. So he's got 200 different actors in UGC that are relatively cheap that we can get into his uh, production studio. So when we shoot, mm -hmm. when he does a shoot, he's got two hours of footage that um, I think a lot of people don't have access to. So I feel like that's, that's a pretty big moat that we've got in terms of not having to wait two weeks to go get a UGC to film something. It's very, you know, we schedule the shoot, get the shoot, post-production, and within two days kind of deal. But yes, it, it's clipping, testing hooks and headlines and yeah, stuff like that. That's amazing. Well, Noah, it was a pleasure. Thank you again for dropping that much value. Where can people find you? Yeah, no, for sure. So right now, um, it's going to look pretty janky right now, but we're going to be building out uh, bottomlinescaling.com. That's going to be our, our main website, uh, as well as LinkedIn. We're going to be posting a lot and Similar to what you were talking about with Avi, we're going to try to build in public and just try to be super transparent because at the end of the day, even if you copy what we do, it's, it's, there's enough clients, enough people out there for everyone, right? So Yeah, absolutely. Thanks again, Noah. And uh, I'll see you in the next one. Awesome. Thanks again for joining us on the Scaling E-Commerce Podcast. If you enjoyed it or learned something new, remember to like, subscribe, and leave a review. It really helps out with the algorithm. If you want email marketing tips delivered straight to your inbox on a weekly basis from yours truly, then check out the link below or in the show notes to subscribe and join my newsletter. If you're a D2C brand with at least 10,000 email subscribers and interested in starting a conversation to work together, then go to aspectagency.com and we'd love to chat with you. And if you want to stay up to date with anything email and SMS, just follow me on Twitter at Nikita Vakrushev or check the show notes for the link. With that said, I'm Nikita and I'll see you in the next one.